0: started asking the question why. I don't know that it'll ever end asking the question why. But uh, today I wanted to ask about the church. Why the church? Why do we have a church? Why are you here in the church? What's the purpose of it? Well, I have a pretty quick answer for that question. The church exists so that people could come and find life. Life to the full. A place where they can be healed and find freedom. That's why we have church. It works like this, and and many of you know this. So it starts at some point with belief in Jesus. Right? You come to believe in Jesus, and at that moment, every sin you have ever committed or will commit is forgiven. Jesus comes to live with you, live in you spiritually. Jesus' personality starts growing in you and changing you. And you start to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus gives you gifts. Spiritual gifts that grow in you and are used for the kingdom. And only Jesus can do that for you. Right? No one else. Only Jesus I, you, cannot save anyone. Only Jesus does that. And here's something else, and it's not near as much fun. Only Jesus can change someone. I can't change someone. You can't change someone. Only Jesus changes. There's a lot of things that we know up here, and then there's a lot of things that we need to know here in our hearts. And a lot of us will agree that as we talk about it, that no, I can't change anyone. So we confess that. But then with our lives, we live completely differently than that, right? Endeavoring to change people all the time. Because if there's anything we know, people need to change, right? We all can agree with that. Then we get to the next part of, and it's my job to change them. Except it's not. Because I can't do it. And this is where we start getting into the, it's not as clear, it's more confusing. I can't change anyone, nor can you. Yet Jesus has chosen to use us as agents of change. Isn't that interesting? I can't change anybody, but God's plan is to work through me, through you, to bring change in other people. You can see how it's such a slippery slope of thinking that I'm doing the change when Jesus works through me to bring change. But without Jesus, there is no change. And when I start coming up with the idea and the plan of how to fix people and how to change people, it does not work. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Don't be uninformed. Uninformed. Pay attention. You know this. Before Jesus, you were a mess. Now I know that's hard for many of us to even uh, confess to that, but it's the reality Before Jesus, I was a mess. I ran after things in this life, piling up things, accumulating so that I could have life. So that I could have life to the full, but it did not give me life. Those things really just became like dead weight around my neck. We ran after stupid things. We got that stuff that we were running after, And then once we had it, we still realized that there wasn't any life in that. Remember? I don't want you to be uninformed. Before Jesus, we were somehow or other influenced and led astray to mute idols. Not God. Things that could not do what God does. Verse 3, therefore... I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If anything in your life has ever changed or might ever change it's because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If you believe it was the Holy Spirit that did that. Um Any change that ever happened was brought by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ, by God. So, people look around at the world, especially those that they're close with, and they see somebody that's a mess like their husband, or like their wife, or like their kids, or like their parents, or like their neighbor or their coworker. They see these people that are a mess. And you know what the next thing many of them do? Call me. And you know what they say? You should go talk to them. Do you get those calls? Because I get those calls. And look, I understand the heart of the person calling. It's just not the way it works. You don't get to initiate these kind of changes on behalf of someone else. Of course they're a mess. What do you think they're going to be? They're a mess. But what's going to change them? What's going to bring change in them? The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, God. Not me, not you. And I understand the idea and the thought of go talk to them. Because you want the mess cleaned up. It's just not the way Jesus does it, is it? It's not the way that brought change in you. Only God can change. I can't, you can't. So, believing, changing, saving, Jesus does that work. And wanting it for another person is very noble. But that's not how you bring change in their life. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. How do you bring change? We, I, came to Jesus Christ. He forgave my sins. He takes up residency by living in me. He then gives me gifts of the kingdom. And he wants those gifts to be used for the kingdom. And there are many different kinds of gifts. The same Spirit distributes them. Gifts. There are many different kinds of service. Um, But it's the same Lord that leads. Whatever you have in your life, Jesus is behind it. There are many works... But the same God. That friend of yours, that husband, wife, child, parent, neighbor, coworker that needs change. God has a plan for them. See I think sometimes we think that somehow they've been forgotten about. And that if we don't do something, nothing will happen. And that's just not true. God has a plan for the rescue of everyone. Will everyone respond to that plan and that call? No. Do you think somehow that that impacts and affects us more than that impacts and affects God? One of God's creation, one of his creatures, one of his sons and daughters is going astray. They have rejected God. You think God doesn't care? He cares more than you care. Can you believe that? It's true. It's true. It's the same God behind all of these gifts and workings and plans that he has for his people. And he's doing it through us. Um, God has a plan and he doesn't need your plan Or your guidance to work out his plan. See, what am I saying here? Well, my neighbor needs some help. And have I got a way to help them? See, God doesn't need me to do that. What does God need me to do? God needs me to be obedient with the gifts that he's given me. And use those gifts as he calls me to use them to help other people. I am in the kingdom of heaven. I am not in management. God is in management. I I am his willing, faithful, obedient servant. Right? Amen? You too? I do what he calls me to do. He doesn't call me to make up the plans for the kingdom. He calls me to do what he's called me to do. Um, God needs my gifts, my service, and my work. He needs your gifts, your service, and your work. I don't know why God chose this as the way to do it. There had to have been a better way. But here's what he chose to do. He chose to call us to himself, giving us faith we need to believe in Jesus Christ. And then he brings change in us, making us be like Jesus so that he can use us to bring others. I'm not saying that God cannot miraculously speak to someone like he did Saul And convert him into Paul. I'm just saying that's not the plan that he has implemented for us. He can always do it differently, but the plan is to use me and to use you for the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is interesting. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do you think Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done? Because without prayer, without us, His kingdom is not coming and His will is not being done. That's why we pray it. We don't pray that the sun would come up every morning, because it comes up every morning. We pray for things that don't happen. Without God's intervention. Which is his kingdom coming and his will being done. He needs us. Not to take charge. He needs us to be obedient and do what he calls us to do. Now, the gifts, the service, and the work that God has given you. That's opposed. We have an enemy who's trying to stop that. And... I. My experience is the most effective way the enemy can stop us from doing our work is for us to think a few things. One of them is that it won't matter, you know. Nobody changes. It won't do any good. The other one is that you haven't been given anything. You don't have any gifts. You don't have any service. You wouldn't know what to do. You'd just blow it anyway. That's the enemy, our opposition. Getting us to lay down our weapons take off our armor all on our own so that we totally take ourselves out of the kingdom so that these different kinds of gifts and service and work that God has called us to do, we don't do. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You have been given gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts. So we talked a couple of weeks ago. The gifts are not given evenly or equally. Some people have ten gifts. Some people have five gifts. Some people have one gift. But nobody in here has zero gifts. Everybody has gifts that God has given them. Why is he given you gifts? So that you can use them to make your life better. Not what it says, right? Why have you been given gifts? For the common good. The church, the kingdom, needs the gifts that you've been given. Do you realize the important role you play? That the gifts that God has given you, the God who is wiser than all of us combined, The God who knew that we would join together and form a body. That God gave you gifts that are needed at this body, in this place, to be used for the kingdom. Yeah, but so-and-so has that gift and they'll do it. That's crazy, isn't it? That's like my left foot saying, you've got a right foot. You don't need me to be the left foot. One's enough. And so it's left the church hopping around on one foot, which is very ineffective. Because I need both feet in my body. The gifts you have are needed in this church, in this community. They're needed. What if you don't do it? What if my ear stops working? Does my eye pick it up and start listening? Of course not. If my ear quits working, I'm deaf. I'm talking about you, not my ear. The gifts that God has given you, if you're not using them, the church is disabled. You understand the important role you play in the body? Well, I'll just have my finger listen. Good luck. My finger's not very good at listening. Doesn't have that gift. The gifts that God has given you have been given for the common good. We need you. See, I have some gifts. She has some gifts. You have some gifts. All of us together have the gifts that are needed to be a body, to be effective. Together, we have it all together for the common good, right? So it's, it's just interesting, the plan of the kingdom. In order to fix people, to heal people, to change people, to save people, God uses us. He put a little bit of himself in each one of us. So that as a group, we have what's needed to be done. What kind of church does that make us? We're the the kind of church that when somebody comes here and needs some life and needs some freedom, they're welcome here. Can we say this? We will not leave you. We won't yell at you. We won't give up on you. Just like Jesus said when he was talking to us, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Is that the kind of church you want? It's the kind of church I want. The kind of church that is safe for people who are searching, who are hurting, who are looking for life and freedom that can be found in no place else but Jesus Christ. And here we are, as a place, as a way to show people Jesus, to show them what it looks like to have been forgiven, to have been given gifts, to love one another well. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not know? Have you forgotten? Can you you remember that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom? You know, right? Everyone knows. Have you forgotten? Don't be deceived. The enemy is telling us that God is love and there will be no judgment. But you know better. Remember? Remember? There's a, here's a list of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not inclusive, but it's sure a good list. It describes the sexually immoral. What's that mean? Well, people who have not kept the marriage bed pure, right? All kinds of sexual immorality, having sex outside of marriage. How about idolaters? Anytime you put your faith in something other than God to bring you life, that's an idol. How about adulterers? More sexual stuff, right? People that have sex with people they are not married to. Adultery, cheating on your spouse. How about men who have sex with men? I know it's very unpopular to read this verse. Because somehow we've either forgotten or we've become deceived. But God's word makes it plain. People like this don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Thieves. People who take things that are not theirs. Greedy. People who want stuff that's not theirs. Drunkards. Drunkards. People who turn to their addictions to find relief from life. About slanderers. People who spread damaging lies about others. About swindlers. People that use deception to deprive someone of something that should be theirs. None of those will inherit the kingdom. Nobody like that has a chance. Remember? You know that. And then we come to one of my favorite words in all of Scripture. But. I love that word. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Hey, Steve. Remember that Time when you cheated that old lady out of her life savings? Hey, 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 Karen, remember when you cheated on your husband when he was out of town? Hey, Doug, remember what you did to all those girls back in college? Hey, Randy, remember when your wife and kids needed you but you hid in your work and then surfed the internet for porn all night? Hey, Sue, remember when you got drunk and shot off your mouth about the secrets your sister had shared with you? Remember? Remember? I don't believe there's anybody here named Steve, Karen, Doug, or Randy, or Sue. I hope not. I didn't mean you if you did, if you are. What would they put after your name? Hey, Tony, remember? Remember when? Remember when you were an idolater and an adulterer and a thief and greedy and a drunkard? Remember? Do you remember? But you were washed. You were cleansed. You were sanctified. You were made holy. You were justified. Connected to God. Remember? Everyone you know is someplace along this timeline. Either they're the ones who cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Or they've been washed and cleansed and sanctified and justified. Where are you on that timeline? Are you before the but or after the but? Everybody you know finds himself in that timeline. Somehow, our enemy deceives us and we forget about what it was like before the butt. We forget. I wasn't so bad. (laughs) Yes, you were. I'm sorry, you were that bad. You were worse than that. Oh, but I wasn't like them. Okay, what's the biggest thing Jesus hates? Self-righteous, sanctimonious people. He thinks of that worse than he thinks of adultery, okay? Some of you, where are you at on this line? So, no matter where you're at, there's more for you. There's more. You can become closer to Jesus. And don't you want something better? I do. It's an offer that's available. So Come on, everybody. We got you. We're together here. We understand what it's like to live before the but. And we also understand what it's like to live after the but. And we need the gifts that God has given us to help each other. The service and the work and the the things that he's taught us. So we come back to church. Here is a group. We are gifted people. What have we been gifted with? Well, teaching and wisdom and understanding. Why has God given us teaching and wisdom and understanding? So we can help others. Some people have been given a gift of great faith. Why has God given gifts of great faith? Because there are some people that don't have any faith at all. And they need yours to help. To help them keep going. Some have the gift of encouragement and counseling. To motivate others. To bring them along. Come on, you can do it. Don't give up. I've seen it before. Some have been given the gift of hospitality. Why? To make a place where others feel safe and welcome to come to hear about Jesus. Others have been given gifts of leadership and organization and service. Why? To create a place, to keep a place running so that Jesus Jesus lives in each of his followers. Jesus lives in each of his followers so that we can create the kind of place where we can serve together in the body where others can come and and find life and freedom in Jesus. So they can bring their fear, their shame, their insecurity, their unbelief and find hope. Now, Historically, at least in America, the church... hasn't been that kind of place where it's safe to come. Right? Instead, the church has been the kind of place where in order for me to come, I have to pretend like nothing's wrong with me. Hey, Tony, how you doing? Oh, and I thought You can bring your unbelief here. We're okay with that. You can you can bring your shame. We're okay with that. You can bring your sin here. We're okay with that. We don't want you to hurt. And we don't want you to continue to be in pain. And, and we don't want you to not inherit the kingdom of God. Because we love you. But you can come here... Just as you are, right where you are. Even if that's not a progressive path week by week of where you're getting better, you can have a setback or two or a hundred and still be welcome here. We got to be the kind of church that it's safe. The world has always needed this. (laughs) But I don't know if you've looked around lately. The wheels are coming off. Right? The world. Oh my. What desperation the world is in. They are lost. And and sadly, most aren't even aware. Their eyes have been darkened. Their hearts have been hardened. They don't know anymore. The world is not a safe place. And I don't know of any... There's lots of places that claim to be safe places. I remember back in the day, they used to say you could go to the bar because at the bar people would accept you. I'm since older and wiser. They don't accept you there. (laughs) It's one of the least accepting places in the world, okay? Oh, yeah, to your face. Then what happens when you leave? You become the butt of all the jokes. What about work? Is that place safe? (laughs) Absolutely not. If you let people at work know who you really are, you'll get fired. What about school? No. Sometimes not even home is a safe place. We need a safe place. The church has got to be that same safe place. Where we don't condone sin. But we don't condemn people. Let me ask you about your life when you sin. You need somebody to jump and pile on you and accuse you? No, me neither. What I need is acceptance, love mercy, encouragement. We've got to be that kind of place. We've talked a lot about love and hate. And we kind of have an idea of what love means, right? Is that I care for somebody, that I use the gifts that God has given me on your behalf for the common good. And we kind of have an understanding of hate. Right, like you climb up in the 33rd floor of the motel, you break the window out, and you mow people down with your gun, right? We get that. That's hate. But what about everybody in between? Indifference. Well, I just don't care. That's hate. Right? So on the one hand, I talked about the spouse, the family member, the whatever that you care for and that you want me to go talk to. Thanks for caring about them. Take them to Jesus. Jesus, what would you have me do? I'm not going to say that the answer is never call Tony and have him talk to them. I'm just going to think that's probably a pretty rare thing that God is going to call you to do. On behalf of somebody else. What I think he might really call you to do. To pray for them. To pray over them. To pray for their protection. To pray that their faith would increase. To pray that their eyes and ears would be open and they would see God. We've got to be that kind of place. We've got to be that kind of people. So somebody would come and say, I'm dying on the inside. And you know what we say here? We got you. Come on, you're welcome here. Somebody else might come and say, I hate myself. It's okay, you're welcome here. Somebody might come and say, I made a huge mistake. We got you. Come on in. My marriage is dying or dead. We got you, come on. I hate my husband. Come on, you're welcome here. I'm addicted to alcohol or porn or drugs or sex or work or money or pleasure. It's okay. Come on. How about I'm gay and I've messed up my life? You're welcome here. I'm straight. And I've messed up my life. You're welcome here. Come on. I hate my parents. I hate my kids. We got you. I've done a thousand things wrong. I know. We got you. We will not yell at you. Or walk out on you. We will not give up on you or leave you. We will take you along with us. We will give you our time. We'll give you our money. We'll create a safe place where you and Jesus can work through your stuff. Anybody need a place like that? Anybody want to serve in a place like that? See, we need that. Our community needs that. I need that. You need that. And God has called us, He's given us gifts to use for the kingdom. What are you doing with the gifts God has given you?